One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to, to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. <laughs> uh, sounds nice. For 41 million, you built a playoff team. You lost Damon, Giambi, Isringhausen, Pena, and you won more games without them than you did with them. You won the exact same number of games that the Yankees won, but the Yankees spent 1.4 million per win. And you paid 260000 I know you're taking it in the teeth out there, but the first guy through the wall, he always gets bloody. Always. This is threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds it's threatening the game. But it's really what it's threatening is their livelihood. It's threatening their jobs. It's threatening the way that they do things. And every time that happens, whether it's a government or a way of doing business or whatever it is, the... People who are holding the reins, they have their hands on the switch, they go bat crazy. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that uh, clip from, uh, I don't know, three years ago, Moneyball, which is actually about the 2001, uh, 2001 Oakland Athletics and how uh, the manager took on a different a different kind of uh, way to replace his, his team had been gutted by the Yankees. And uh, from the previous from the previous season, and basically they looked at they took a different approach that allowed them to cut the cost of of putting a championship baseball team together, and and they won the National League the National League West, uh, and then they lost it in the in the in the or I'm sorry the American League West, and they lost it in the in the uh, league championships um, to the I think. But I don't remember what the what the which uh, which team they lost it to in the uh, in the finals in the final game and there's the there's the manager the general manager of or the owner of the Red Sox talking about why everybody's going crazy because he tried something different and it's and it's threatening everybody's way of life now you don't have to spend millions of dollars to accomplish a a championship there's a way to do it much cheaper. 
And if you listen to the words, you know, whether it's whether it's the government or business or whatever, the people see it as a threat to their to their existence, a threat to their jobs, and they go bat excrement crazy. We cut out that little little part of the of the comment. And that's exactly what we see going on in the government right now. Why are the Democrats so so crazy? To go after Trump and get rid of him because he threatens their way of life. He threatens he threatens the money tree. People, it's, I've, and it's become very clear to me, become very clear to me, especially in the last few years, that it's all about money. We pay we pay trillions of dollars into the into the into the tax pool of money for the government to spend. And the reason that people want to be congressmen and senators is because they have access to spend it. And they have basically a blank check. It's not about the billion dollars that we pay for 435 uh, House people, members of the House of Representatives, and 100 members of the Senate. It's not about a billion dollars worth of their salary every year. It's their assistants, and it's their, their secretaries, and their assistant assistants, and their office in Washington, D.C., and the staff for their office in, the, in their home state, plus their travel expenses, and everything else that they do is trillions of dollars. And that's why, and Trump comes in and says, wait, why are we giving all this money to these foreign countries? These foreign countries that we're aiding and the people that are negotiating their aid are taking kickbacks on the side that we don't see. These, these governments that we're helping and, and Trump's going, and this is what I predicted before he got elected. Trump's going to get in there and they're going to go, you guys are doing what? And he's not going to believe it because he's from a he's from a the bit from a business world where you don't just throw money away. But the government's different, and folks, Trump was a godsend for this country, and he's going to turn it all turn it all around. So, and I use that song uh, "Chasing Shadows" by Kansas, which is probably the nineteen eighty something. And I think because I think it talks about how we're all an audience looking for evidence to make it all make sense. And we're watching this stuff and some of some of you go, "Oh man. This stuff, this stuff, I didn't know about all this stuff. I didn't know about all this stuff is going on behind the behind the scenes. It has to go on. A lot of the stuff you're seeing has to go on and it does, and it makes complete sense. And some of you guys are listening to CNN or you're watching MSNBC, you're watching watching various things and you're going, "Does this make sense? You're you're listening to little pieces?" I talked to somebody somebody today who said and I and I and I'm going to play a clip of Joe Biden that everybody's heard part of it before but they missed out on a couple little things. Um it goes, "Well, you know what uh you realize you've seen this clip before, right? Cuz this is something that has been on TV. You know, you understand what the whole impeachment things. Oh, I thought it was something about uh something about Russia and all that stuff. You know what? People aren't paying attention. People aren't paying attention and they and they don't fully understand what's going on. And if you pay attention and you just listen and think and consider in your mind, does this make sense? Does this make sense that Trump would do this? Does it make sense that the Democrats, it all seems to come right into perspective and makes way, makes way, make, makes way more sense. You know, so we're, we're looking for evidence to make it all make sense. As Kansas says, this is where I'm going to try and tie everything together. Cause if you guys don't watch, the news as much as I do. And quite frankly, this week, 
I spent, I, I tweeted it out and said, hey, you know what? I'm so tired of hearing the same thing over and over. I, I flipped the channel over to Family Feud. So, uh, you know, it just, it just keeps me in a better, in a better mood when I just listen to all this BS. It's, it's overwhelming. So anyway, I'm going to talk about everything that went on this week and try to put it into perspective. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting any, involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are great, fantastic opportunities out there, you want to talk to somebody who uh, who thinks like you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free. Area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, and that you don't want to talk on the phone just yet, Go to edhoffman.net, scroll down a little bit to the where you see the Summit Funding logo, click on that, that'll take you to my lending page. You can put in as much information as you want me to have and then tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman. And uh, some of you guys are surprised when you actually get me on the phone because I'm just a real person like you guys, and I'm happy to happy to help you guys out. Um, so, uh, so then we'll call you back. If you want to hear something repeated on the show, and I will tell you after we get to the end of the show, you might want to go to my, to, uh, my page at Hoffman.net and click on the Clinton casualties because there's a, a write-up of the Clinton casualties and there's a and there's a copy of the show that I recorded in 2016 that outlines and explains everything. You might want to take an hour and listen to that. Um, so if but if you want to hear if you want to hear this show again or if you want to share it, edhoffman.net, go to the podcast page. There you'll find this show as well as, as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on uh, on SoundCloud and iTunes, where you can uh, subscribe, have it download for free once a once a week to your uh, your phone or your computer, your iWatch, your iPad, your iPod, your Mini Pad, your Maxi Pad, uh, your Puppy Pad, anything that you can hear uh, a podcast on, and you can uh, listen to it on demand when it's convenient for you. Um, follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I, where I tweet about current events all week long. You know, I used to live tweet all the, all the, uh, debates, the, the last one, which was, uh, the week last, the week before last, um, was so boring. I didn't have anything to tweet about. I put a couple of things, but I used to tweet on almost every comment, but they're just so boring now. It's just the more of the same stuff over and over and over and over and I don't, I don't even know. I watched the whole thing. I watched most of it just for the sake of uh, being in the know, which I know you guys don't have time for or won't make time for. Um, so follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman. And the Facebook page for the, for the show is facebook.com slash the main event Ed Hoffman. So uh, anyway, we know the Democrats would uh, make sure that the Senate trial would be full of drama and pageantry, and so far they're meeting those expectations. It started Tuesday with debate over the rules for the trial. Rather than playing any of the clips from the 13 hours of Democrats repeating everything they already said in the House trial, here's the bottom line on Tuesday. Mitch McConnell set fair ground rules that mimicked the rules of the 1999 Clinton impeachment trial, you know, when Clinton actually lied to the grand jury and actually, you know, committed a crime. Uh, where each side, but each, where during that trial, each side would get 24 hours to make their case which would be uh, three days of eight hours or two days of 12 hours, or it seems to be, uh, it seems, I think they're on day three today, which is Friday that I'm recording. And it seems to go about 12 hours either every day. So I don't understand 
where they add up 24 hours. Uh, Chuck Schumer tried to derail McConnell's rules with a bunch of amendments, 11 to be exact. Most of them involved subpoenaing all the same documents already looked at in the House trial. Thanks to Republican majority, all Schumer's amendments were killed by party line votes. You know what? There's a there's a few uh, there's a few uh, um, Republicans that they're worried about um, voting with the Democrats, and that's uh, Lisa Murkowski of of Alaska, which is always a given, and Susan Collins of Maine, which is always a given. And then there's the turncoat Mitch Romney of Utah, who who I'm almost embarrassed to say I supported when he ran against Barack Obama, but I guess anybody but Obama was was my choice. And then there's Lamar Alexander, and he's from, I think, Kansas. I could be wrong on that state. But but he's retiring, so he has nothing to lose here. Um, so they're, so But happily, they all saw through the BS of, of uh, Schumer and Schiff and, and Nadler, and they all voted against all the, all the changes to the rules. Despite the endless theatrical speeches from the House trial managers, that's all, all Tuesday was for, the speeches were there to fill time and turn this into a circus. Now, everybody, I just saved you 13 hours. You're welcome. Um, here's how the night ended, though, at 1 a.m. At 1 a.m. They started at 1 p.m. Well, they actually started before that, but that's when the timer started. Jerry Nadler defamed Trump's legal team and all the Republican senators who might vote against impeachment. White House lawyer Pat Cipollone stood up to him in, in a rebuttal, and then the Supreme, and the Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts told everyone to calm down. The president sometimes relies on a theory of absolute immunity that says that he can order anybody in the executive branch not to testify to the House or the Senate or to a court. Now, obviously, this is ridiculous. It's been flatly rejected by every, by every federal court to consider the idea. It's embarrassing the president's counsels would talk about this today. You don't deserve and we don't deserve what just happened. Mr. Nadler came up here and made false allegations against our team. He made false allegations against all of you. He accused you of a cover-up. He's been making false allegations against the president. The only one who should be embarrassed, Mr. Nadler, is you. It is appropriate at this point for me to admonish uh, both the House managers and the president's counsel in equal terms uh, to remember that they are addressing the world's greatest deliberative body. One reason it has earned that title is because its members avoid speaking in a manner and using language that is not conducive to civil discourse. Yeah, well, hey, um, I just want to I just want to jump in here and go a little off track a little bit. Um, Jerry Nadler, you guys all hear me call him the Weeble. And I don't know if anybody I, I just talked to someone today that didn't understand why I call him the Weeble. And uh, if you remember Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down back in the 60s, 70s, you know, the the little toys that little people that they're shaped like a an egg or a pear. Um, I ran into Jerry Nadler at LAX getting onto, uh, we were getting on the plane. He was walking away, but I assume he got back on the plane because when we got off the plane in at JFK airport, um, Don and I walked, you know, we were in first class. So we got off first and we went direct, obviously directly to the, uh, to the men's room. Well, I did Don didn't. And, uh, to, uh, you know, to get rid of some diet Cokes that I was drinking on the plane. And, uh, as I walked out, Jerry Nadler walk is walking in and, 
when I passed him at LAX, I go, that guy looked familiar. Who is he? I didn't even think about it. And then, then he walked past me. I'm going, oh, I know who that is. And, uh, and before I could, my, my thoughts could catch up with my mouth, I walked out into the, into the, the, the terminal and my wife goes, hey, did you see who you just passed? And I go, was that Jerry Nadler? I go, I go, let's, I said, had I realized it going in, I would have said something to him on the way out. Let's hang around till he comes out. And Don goes, no, 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 no. We're on vacation. We, let's not get arrested. So, but Jerry Nadler is about five foot zero, five foot zero, maybe four foot 11. And according to the internet, uh, his weight used to be 338 pounds. I know if you look at some of the old stuff, uh, he's way heavier. He's less heavy as he was now, but I'd say he's about 200, 250 pounds, and he's about five foot. And uh, the person that I was talking to uh, Googled it. And he says, oh, look, he's five foot, five foot three. And I go, no, 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 no. There's no way. That's an inch shorter than Don. This guy is way shorter than that. Oh, here's one that says five foot four. I said, no, that's BS. He's five foot at the best. So he's a little, he's a little, little short, weebly guy, sleep like a weeble. So anyway, that's why I call him the weeble. And obviously, guys like that have little man syndrome, so... He wants to sound bigger than he is. So anyway, let's let's continue with uh, what what happened this week. So Wednesday, it was time for the opening arguments once again. Democrats filled time repeating the same things we've heard over and over and over and over for three years. Most notably, of course, is Adam lying sack of Schiff, um, who loves to who must love to hear himself speak because he's just been on continuously all week. He, you know, No one else can have the microphone but him. His opening statement clocked in at two hours and 20 minutes, and it was full of everything you'd expect to be, like insulting American voters. The president's misconduct cannot be decided at the ballot box, for we cannot be assured that the vote will be fairly won. And uh, just so you know, uh, Adam Schiff running for re-election, he's got uh, Eric Early who uh, Scott had on my show when I was on vacation uh, Christmas week. And, uh, and um, Dr. Drew um, talked about on TV on, uh, on some show that he was thinking about running because he realized that he's in, he's in Schiff's district. I tweeted him this week and I said, hey, uh, at Dr. Drew or whatever his handle is, I said, if you don't get in and run for this, then at least get behind Eric Early and give him a platform. You've got the platform and support this guy so we can get rid of Schiff. And uh, if you guys have Twitter, go on Twitter and, and tweet Dr. Drew to support Eric Early. So anyway, after, uh, after telling everybody that the voters aren't capable of, of making a clear decision about getting rid of uh, Trump, he then tried to get regular Americans on his side by using his new buzzword they can all understand – cheating by inviting foreign interference and cheating in an election to cheat in an election for precisely this reason helping him cheat in the next election to cheat in our election should we just get over it it's kind of cheating really if we're going to be honest about it blatant about it it's cheating in other words to cheat yeah well uh seems to me uh, we should ask bernie sanders about which which uh which political party cheats if you remember, uh, they cheated to give uh, the Democratic National Committee cheated to give um, Hillary Clinton the uh, the uh, debate questions before she debated uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. So Bernie Sanders would be at a disadvantage. And uh, cheating is what they do. And you know what? Somehow in California, we had a few people that, and a pro actually probably across the country, we had a few people that 
on uh, election night or the next morning, Republicans were declared as winners. And then only to have them say, hey, wait, wait, there, we found some votes that weren't counted. And then magically, the Democrats won all those won all those uh, elections. So I don't know how did if the Republicans were the cheaters, you'd think it would have gone the other way. So anyway, he finished by telling senators why impeaching the president should be more important to them than doing the jobs they were elected to do. I recognize there'll be times during the trial that you may long to return to the business of the Senate. The American people look forward to the same. But not before you decide what kind of democracy that you believe we ought to be. And what the American people have a right to expect in the conduct of their president. Yeah, the American people are tired of paying billions, if not trillions of dollars to Congress, Senate and all their staff and all their expenses to engage in this foolishness. You know, and if uh, and if this was handled like a like a normal trial where, hey, there's opening arguments for a few minutes and then the Republicans do their opening arguments. This is what the Republicans would do. Counselor, you wish to make an open statement? Uh, everything that guy just says, bull****. Yep, and uh, so it all was all BS. Reportedly, only a few senators took notes. Many of them looked at their iPhones, ate candy, and even slept. But Chuck Schumer apparently was in an entirely different proceeding. Schiff had such power in his speech that he almost forced them to look at him and listen. And just about every Republican's eyes were glued on Mr. Schiff. So it was a powerful rendition. Yeah, every Republican's eyes were were probably glued to the insides of their eyelids. Uh, I could only see the Schiff's big bugging out zombie eyes uh, as he as he went into his theatrics. It was uh, it was kind of nauseating. When the day was over and the reviews rolled in, CNN, the communist news network, said Schiff was nothing short of dazzling. A very, very powerful and forceful speech, uh, two and, almost two and a half hours by Adam Schiff. Uh, a very, very strong case from Adam Schiff. It was a very coherent, cohesive narrative, something that the White House doesn't have. This was a speech really aimed at the better angels, um, and, and I think Adam Schiff did a really great job. What did you think of the presentation by the lead House manager, Adam Schiff? I thought it was dazzling. It was dazzling. Yeah, you know, uh, Wolf Blitzer, I have a Wolf Blitzer uh, story that when we were, uh, actually Scott McAfee and I and our wives were at Washington, D.C. for the inauguration in 2017. And uh, we went out to dinner uh, Then uh, when we first got there at the Capitol Grill. And then we walked we walked into some hotel on the way back to our hotel. And uh, and Wolf Blitzer was walking out as we were walking in. And I, and I just walked by and I go, Wolf Blitzer. He goes, hi, how are you? And he's kind of stopped what he was doing. Like, hey, do you want to get a picture with me or something? And I just kept walking. It's like, hey, I just, hey, I see somebody I know that I recognize. But he just stopped. I just kept walking. But he stopped like, come on over, take a picture with me. Nah, you're a Democrat. So anyway, uh, speaking of CNN, they're making no secret of of their agenda. Check the cable the cable guide this week, and you'll see that the name of the entire daytime lineup lineup is the impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump the whole day, which means at 10 o'clock in the morning, they bring in one of their signature 10-person panels as if it's election night, and their guest of honor while waiting for the trial to start Wednesday morning was George Conway, the husband of Kellyanne Conway and a Twitter-famous Trump critic who Trump hilar- hilariously calls the husband from hell. Well, George, you, you've got a 
pack that is not the Republican Party that mm-hmm. Donald it's Trump. It's an anti uh, anti Trump Lincoln, Lincoln project. Pack. And I'm sort of curious as to about the how you've been ostracized or how the folks who are running that pack have been ostracized um, well, from the party I, I, uh, from the Trump party. I practice I, my law practice didn't involve Washington um, for the most part, 98 percent of it. And I'll tell you this. I think deep down, most of those people know that Trump is wrong. And they know what right is. They just don't want to say it. It's you just too it painful. Right. In fact, at one point I learned from, a, from someone who had worked in the White House counsel's office that one of the biggest, some of the biggest fans of my Twitter feed in 2018 were in the White House counsel's office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bet Kellyanne Conway is wondering how she ended up married to this guy. I'm so glad that Donna is a, a staunch conservative Republican, so uh, so our marriage is happy. Anyway, uh, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of commercials, weather, traffic, and sports, and I'll be right back with more. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio because most of you are probably bored with it. But if you are in the market to buy a house or refinance a house that you own, to buy a vacation home or refinance one that you own, or if you're uh, thinking about uh, even a piece of property, maybe I need to get out of California before it flushes all the way down the toilet um, and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. And click on the Summit Funding logo, and uh, we can do this over the cyberspace. Um, also, if you're over 62, and there's a lot of you out there that have been calling me to inquire about reverse mortgages, fantastic financing tool. If you haven't, if you haven't looked into it yet, if you've dismissed it without finding out all the details, you need to call me and uh, and check it out because these things are great. These things are great to give you uh, control of your uh, more control of your finances in your re- retirement years. And even if you're not retired, if you're over 62, you, the, the, the tool is available for you. So uh, anyway, we were talking about um, all the ridiculous stuff that's going on in the beginning of the Trump, in the beginning of the Trump impeachment trial for the opening statements. And then we were talking about CNN and how CNN is, uh, is just gushing over all the, all the Democrats that are just saying the same crap they've been saying for for years and specifically for the last uh, uh, couple of months. Another thing CNN is doing every morning is sending Dana Bash to the Capitol to stop whatever senators are walking by and put them on the spot to react to things that the president does. On Wednesday, she cornered uh, poor Rick Scott of uh, Florida and made him uh, react to Trump's comments on the injuries sustained by the troops uh, in uh, in uh, Iraq after the killing of Soleimani. I heard that they had headaches and a couple of other things, but I would say, uh, and I can report, it is not very serious. So you don't consider potential traumatic brain injury serious? Uh, they told me about it numerous days later. You'd have to ask the Department of Defense. No, I don't consider them very serious injuries relative to other injuries that I've seen. You have a lot of uh, injured uh, veterans in your home state of Florida. Do you think when they get a head injury, that's a serious injury? Well, you actually sure seem like it would be. Um, so, and you worry about them. Uh, Does it yeah. concern you that the president just said he doesn't 
consider well, that a serious... Uh, he I said, in it, fairness, com compared yeah. to other injuries, but let's just focus on this injury. I hope it's not. What about the comment that he made? Do you, are you comfortable with what he well, said? Well, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about how bad their injuries are. Yeah, CNN is really digging hard, pushing hard to make this into something more more than it was. Uh, having having met lots of uh, injured veterans with that have lost legs and arms and uh, legs and arms, um, you know the fact that they were there, they were close enough to get a headache from it, um, is certainly less serious than than uh, than losing losing part of your losing part of your body, and uh, for, in consideration of that. Um, if you, I watched a, a a documentary on Aaron Hernandez, the uh, the uh, football player who uh, committed a couple of murders, and then they uh, and then he then he uh, committed suicide in jail. Not like Jeffrey Epstein, he really commit he really committed suicide, and uh, and they diced the his family donated his brain uh, to the uh, for the research. If you've seen the movie Concussion, and they di and they they dissected his brain, and he had. He had all kinds of damage from playing football. Remember football, the the sport that owns Sunday. Every every Sunday they dominate the TV. Professional football, the most important thing to many people in our country. Um, and you know, of course, next weekend that will be the most important thing, the Super Bowl. But we're not worried about that. But they're sure digging to 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 pin something on uh, on Trump for making a comment that. Uh, you know, a brain trauma, brain trauma of some sort is not as bad as nobody got killed and nobody uh, got part of their bodies blown off. One more CNN story this week, courtesy of Joe Lockhart, Bill Clinton's former press secretary and now, of course, a CNN commentator. Lockhart tweeted a conversation he supposedly overheard between two Republican senators in the Capitol hallway and it went quickly went viral. Joe Lockhart uh, uh, tweeted, Overheard convo between two Republican senators who only watch Fox News. Is that stuff real? I haven't heard any of this before. I thought it was all about a server. If half the stuff Schiff is saying is true, we're up. Something's creek. Uh, hope the White House has exculpatory evidence. Here's the problem with that tweet. Uh, he admitted he made up the whole conversation. Um, Joe Lockhart then tweeted out, um, how long? The same day, but later that later in the morning. Okay, I made up the conversation, but you know that's exactly what they're thinking. Why would how how why would they be thinking of that? And then the backlash rolled in. This former White House press secretary press secretary decided his only defense was to call his lies satire. So he tweets out, "Everyone relax. This is satire. Satire to make the point the senators are that are deciding president's fate." who only watch Fox News have never heard this stuff before because Fox is part of the cover-up. Well, I've heard it all before. I've heard it all before, and I watch Fox News. I won't say I don't turn on CNN and PMSNBC to, uh, to, uh, to counter it, just to say, hey, I want to hear their side. I want to hear what they're saying, because I do. But I, li I watch Fox News a lot, and I've heard all this stuff. And when that, that didn't work, he resorted to tweeting, sorry, people thought this was real. Satire and sarcasm do help make these points, though, and I, I don't know what point he was trying to make other than that Democrats are liars. Anyway, uh, there's a major debate going on in the trial this week that has been whether the fact witness should be called. 
whether fact witnesses should be called. Democrats spend hours whining that they want Mick Mulvaney and John Bolton to testify, so Republicans would like Hunter Biden to testify. And I would think Joe Biden, because that's only fair. But fairness isn't Chuck Schumer's strong suit. So would you be open to, say, a, a witness trade for Hunter No, Biden? I think that's off the table. First of all, the Republicans have the right to bring in any witness they want. They haven't wanted to. And that trade is, is not on the table. Yeah, I don't know why they have to trade, because the Republicans are in control here in the Senate. And there was no trade or negotiation when the Democrats were in in, uh, in charge of the of the House impeachment, whatever they called that their uh, their drama they were putting in. And if it's and it and as if he's still a member of the U.S. Senate, which he isn't, Joe Biden himself chimed in on this on his opinion on the two sides trading witnesses. One of those being his son. The reason why I would not make the deal. The bottom line is, I this is a constitutional issue and we're not going to turn it into a farce into some kind of political theater they're trying to turn it into political theater but i want no part of being any part of that no i don't want any part of being part of something that might be part of something anyone anyone else anyway joe biden joe biden we didn't even talk about bringing in joe biden if joe biden wants to talk about political theater someone should ask him about his own party like Jerry Nadler reciting the same Alexander Hamilton quote, quote only because they saw the the play, quote on Thursday, and then Adam Schiff already re- that he Adam Schiff had already recited on Wednesday. In describing the kind of leader who might menace the nation, Alexander Hamilton offered an especially striking portrait. Mr. Schiff read this portrait in his introductory remarks, and it bears repetition. When a man unprincipled in private life, desperate in his fortune. Bold in his temper, known to have scoffed in private at the principles of liberty, when such a man is seen to mount the hobby horse of popularity. To take every opportunity of embarrassing the general government and bringing it under suspicion. To flatter and fall in with all the nonsense of the zealots of the day. It may justly be suspected that his object is to throw things into confusion, that he might ride the storm and direct the whirlwind. Those words were written by Alexander Hamilton, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, has acted precisely as Hamilton and his contemporaries feared. Yeah, I don't I just I just don't see things the same way. The the drama and the it's it's just it's ridiculous. I uh, hope all you guys are listening and 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 paying attention and considering the source of everything that gets said. It might just be up to Lindsey Graham to make the case for putting Hunter Biden on the stand. And he started by holding a press conference in the Senate hallway Thursday morning in response to the House managers repeatedly saying Hunter doesn't need to testify because all the allegations against the Bidens have been debunked. Lindsey said this. I don't know how many times it was said by the managers that the Biden conflict of interest allegations has been debunked and has been, uh, there's no scintilla of evidence in terms of conflicts of interest and potential wrongdoing. I know a lot about the Trump family and their dealings in Russia. I don't know anything about the Biden connection to the Ukraine. So when the managers tell me this has been looked at and debunked, by who? 
Yeah, by who? Uh, somebody looked at it and they debunked it. I haven't heard that either. Uh, using his trademark storytelling style, Lindsey Lindsey Graham continued. Within a month of being given the Ukrainian portfolio, the vice president's son is hired by Burisma, one of the most corrupt companies in the Ukraine, at a fairly exorbitant salary. They also, Burisma, hires John Kerry's stepson, and on and on and on. The point is that the prosecutor, who I think was corrupt, opened up a case in May of 2014 against Burisma, raided the president's home, Burisma's president's home, in February of 2016, and six weeks later, seven weeks later, was fired. In 2015, the president of Burisma, Zolcheka, was named by our ambassador as somebody the Ukrainian prosecutor should look at for corruption. The person who followed the fired prosecutor dropped the case against Burisma. I don't know. So also think about this. They go over there, they start they start talking to them, and then all of a sudden uh, Hunter Biden gets hired on to uh, be uh, to be part of the board of board of directors on this energy company that he has no experience in this industry and doesn't speak the language and doesn't really have to do anything and he's getting paid eighty three thousand dollars a month. In addition, um, John Kerry's stepson. I forget his first name, but it's his last name's Hines, is his wife's uh, son. Remember, John Kerry was the Secretary of State at the time. So you got the Vice President, the Secretary of State. Hey, we're we're about to give all these people, all the Ukraine, all this, all this money, which is over a billion dollars. And what are we getting in return? We're getting some some of that money back for us. Our country is giving your country, but we want a piece of that. But here, you can't pay it to me. Pay it through our sons. You know, if you can't see that as dirty, if you don't think that if you don't think that needs to be investigated, you know, they're saying, hey, the Trump was only asking them to get involved to uh, to get some dirt on its political opponent. You know what? There's some corruption going on there. That's our money. And Trump's going, you guys are doing what? And he's investigating because he wants to get to the bottom of it. How dirty is this and how far does it go? Now, here's a clip that everyone's heard of a portion of it. Uh, this scene with uh, Biden speaking in front of the Council on Foreign Relations. And there's a couple of pieces that, I mean, you all heard him say, hey, you know what, uh, I'm leaving here in six hours, and if that guy's not fired, you're not getting the billion dollars. And, uh, well, son of a bee, you know, he got fired. And uh, But here's here's a couple of pieces that maybe you haven't heard. Let's play the first one. The constant attack is on the intelligence community. It was a political organization run by you know, Barack Obama for to take on his political enemies. Well, so the intelligence committee thinks this political organization is, is run by uh, Barack Obama to, to use that, use the intelligence committee as is to get his political enemies. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I never heard anybody try to impeach Obama for that because that's what they're accusing. That's what they're accusing uh, Trump of when it actually, he just wants to get to the bottom of the corruption that Biden admitted in front of the cameras at this same same uh, uh, meeting. Uh, then let's play this this other piece then I'll first and then I'll talk about it. 
Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." Hey, call him. Oh, wait, 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 wait. So this wasn't Biden doing it. Obama was in on it. Wait, you're not the president. Okay, call him. Call him. He knows what's going on. He just burned Obama and just put him in, put him into the uh, responsible party here. But nobody thinks there's a problem there. Nobody thinks there's a problem that he's getting Percy's. He's making sure that prosecutor gets fired so they'll stop investigating uh, Burisma because that's going to screw the money, the money flow from Burisma to his son. And I'm sure his son was sharing it with his dad, just like from Burisma to uh, to. Heinz, whatever his name is, I forget his first name, um, to give money to John Kerry. These guys are dirty. These guys are corrupt. And they're part of our, our government. And you know why everybody hates, all the government hates Trump? Because he's going he's gonna to expose it all. And hopefully it's going gonna, it's gonna to fix the problems and we're going to get rid of all that corruption. So you can see why the, why the Democrats are pulling out all the stops to make sure that this, uh, this exposure, this draining of the swamp happens. They're going to try and get him out first. And no cost is too high a cost to make that happen because there's 535 people in there that uh, at least half of them are dirty. So anyway, uh, the only non-impeachment trial news this week was that Hillary Clinton told the Hollywood Reporter that nobody likes Bernie Sanders. But here's the full story. Hillary gave an interview to promote an upcoming documentary aptly titled Hillary, which will premiere at the Sundance Film Festival next week. And I'm sure we'll we'll be... uh, It'll be showing in uh, in some theaters at some point, and uh, it'll probably only be there for a week because uh, no one will go and see it. Well, maybe some Democrats will go see it. Apparently, it's a documentary that uh, Hillary says, this full quote on Sanders, he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's just all baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked in, got sucked into it. I'm not really sure what she's seeing here. He was a career politician. Well, I understand that he never had a job and he never he never uh, was anything responsible. He's basically a loser. Um, so he was in Congress for years. He had one senator support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. Then the new sentence says he was a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad that the people got sucked into it. I don't know what they got sucked into. Here's the clip of her saying uh, this isn't online yet, but the trailer for the film is. I provoke strong opinions. Are we ready? There's so much to talk about. Okay. I didn't grow up thinking about going into politics, but much to my surprise, was elected president of the Republicans. I got into law school. I thought, I'm going to try to make a difference in people's lives. I took a class, and I saw Hillary sitting there. And he was watching me. She 
close their law book. I said, if you're going to keep looking at me and I'm going to keep looking back, we ought to know each other's names. I'm Hillary Rodham. Who are you? She was different than anybody I ever met. I said, I really want to marry you, but you shouldn't marry me. There is a set of expectations about a first lady. I violated them from the very beginning. Yeah, so uh, did she say she ended up president of the Republicans? Was she a Republican to start and then found out that she couldn't get away with her BS uh, unless she was a, a Democrat? So I don't know. That's kind of how Elizabeth Warren started, as I understand it. In college, she was a Republican and until she had to switch because she wasn't getting any traction in that in that party. And you notice how they always try to portray themselves during election years as being the ones who care and the ones they're always they're always out for out for the people and they're always the the honorable ones but then as soon as they get elected they just turn their back on that and go go after the money. So I don't know. There was a uh, there was a well I'll talk about that in a second. In the same report in the same Hollywood promoter promotion for the film the director Nanette Burstyn Burstein was asked what the worst misconception people have about Hillary. Wait for it. Well, the worst misconception they have about her is that she uh, has, you know, killed people and robbed people and, and done horrendous. I mean, the conspiracy theories are vast. I was on a plane that almost went down. I was like, I'm sure there'll be some conspiracy theory that Hillary Clinton had something to do with it. Because it's crazy what people think about her. And they really believe it uh, online. Yeah, they really believe it because coincidence just doesn't work like that. Coincidence doesn't work like that. And uh, quite frankly, if you uh, if you had uh, if you listen to my Clinton casualty show, you'll have a full explanation of all of it. And it's just hard to uh, it's just hard to piece all that together. That so many people, so many people in the Clintons' lives have just committed suicide. Magically, you know, hey, just in just just conveniently when they were about to testify to something that could damage the Clintons. And uh, and if you've watched been following the Jeffrey Epstein thing, he magically committed suicide and the cameras were magically turned off and the uh, guards weren't watching. And uh, and then, of course, the 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 indentation on his neck doesn't match the little sheet thing that they said he hung himself with. It doesn't match. And uh, the, his cell is all all uh, disheveled, like uh, there was a fight in there, like someone was trying to murder him. And uh, and then there's bones broken in his neck that wouldn't have happened by hanging yourself with a with a bed sheet. And uh, you know what? But he had a lot. Of, he had a lot of dirt on a lot of people, including Bill Clinton. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just uh, urban urban legend. But you know it just. If you read it, look at it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Hey, uh, I had a clip that I was going to use to open the show because it's coming up on tax time. I'm going to use it now and talk to you guys um, about something that's happening right now. Let me play this scene from The Accountant. I um, I never thought of myself as a quitter. I, you know, fourth generation farmer. But between the property taxes and the fertilizer costs... And Insurance. Deal with it. What if just temporarily, mind you, we put this year's taxes on our credit card? Do you like it? 
I made it myself. No, not particularly, but you ever sell one? At church fairs now and again. Mrs. Rice, you may have what the IRS calls a home-based business. What room do you use in your house when you make those? I don't really, just wherever I happen to be, I guess. In front of the TV, at the kitchen table. I like to spread my beads out in the dining room, but blankets. Yes, you know. it would be better if you could try to remember the one specific space that you use. Your home is 2,913 square feet. IRS code allows us to deduct from your taxable income a percentage of your workspace relative to your overall home. What? I Mr. Rice, how big is your dining room? Mrs. Rice's office. <laughs> I would so much as call it an office. <clears throat> It's uh, uh, approximately 200. Uh, well, make it 300 square feet. Excellent. Mrs. Rice? Dolores. Dolores, when you order supplies, do you order online? I don't. I just zip on over to the bait store. Zip? I, I drive. The truck? The company truck. Yep. Understand, understand that that's what accountants are going to be doing when you're doing your taxes, and you, you know their their number one their number one uh, goal is to save you money on your taxes, which you want to do because nobody wants to pay taxes that they don't have coming. But keep in mind, if any of you plan on financing a house, financing a uh, doing any kind of financing this year. Before you do, before you get all crazy with how how you're going to save yourself some taxes, call me at 855-640-2020 and run those taxes by me. Hey, you know what? That's what we have. Before I do it, I'm going to send the draft over to Ed and let me let me underwrite them. Let me show you if you're planning on buying a house this year, if you're planning on refinancing your house, let's look and see what you did to your taxes and whether whether uh, saving $500 in taxes eliminates you from qualifying for a loan. So anyway, uh, because this is what I do every year because so many people just let their tax guys go after it and take and realize that a lot of those a lot of those write-offs aren't going to make any kind of difference on you. It's just what they're programmed to do. It's not going to make a, a difference in the bottom line, or maybe it makes a $200 difference, but then you can't buy a house. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of The Main Event. My name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1012658, Arizona NLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity.